Tonight we're going to be looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 18. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. And the title of this study is, is Do Not Lose Heart. So do not lose heart. And let me ask you guys a question. Is it hard to be a Christian? Sure is, right? Is it hard to serve Jesus Christ? It is, right? I mean, is it hard to proclaim his gospel? I mean, do we find it difficult to proclaim the gospel to others, and, and, and do we often do, uh, lose heart when those out, that opposition comes our way, when those afflictions come our way, those hardships come our way? Is it hard to proclaim the gospel? Sometimes it is, isn't it? And it is difficult as Christians, but at the same time, there's no greater joy than to be serving our God and, 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 and blessing him in, in the way we live out our lives and, and proclaim the gospel. Um, and really, the, the, the ultimate um, thing with us, our desire really should be that at the end, uh, as we look back at our lives, we should see that we definitely lived out our lives according to the gospel, that we proclaimed the gospel to others through our lifetime, that we lived out the gospel. And ultimately, of course, that we ran the race well and, and we finished strong. And that should be the desire for every Christian. You know, in, in Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. And we all know that the life of a Christian is difficult, you know, and it does take much sacrifice. And I'm sure a lot of you that have been serving the Lord for some time, you have faced some major opposition, uh, some major afflictions along the way. And I know I have <laughs> in the last year as we, you know, transitioned over here to, to Almani. I really uh, went through some major physical afflictions. I had two surgeries in the last year. Um, and I also, you know, we faced some major uh, spiritual opposition as well. But by the grace of God, uh, I didn't lose heart. And by the grace of God, I'm here tonight, and by the grace of God, we are being blessed abundantly in this ministry at, here in Almani. So it's all by the grace of God. And we kind of ask the question, you know, what is it that makes us endure through those difficulties, you know, through those afflictions? What is it that motivates us not to lose heart? You know, you wonder about guys like uh, uh, Jeremiah, like Isaiah, like the Apostle Paul, you know, what motivated those guys to continue to be faithful in the ministry that God entrusted to them? And what motivates us really to continue moving forward and, and serving the Lord and proclaiming uh, the gospel? You know, what continues to give us that boldness to, uh, to, to proclaim the gospel, even when those new challenges come our way? And we could, of course, all glean off um, the Apostle Paul, right, through his lifetime in the service to the Lord. He had to endure much affliction, right? He, had to, he did uh, have a lot of challenges, persecuted majorly, right, by the religious leaders. He was beaten multiple times, at some of the times almost to the point of death. He was in prison, right? And he had the physical afflictions. He had that thorn in the flesh that the Lord give, gave him. He was shipwrecked. Um, 
And at, towards the end of his life, right before he was martyred, uh, he was alone. He, he, was, he had been abandoned by many of his, his, his co-labors in Christ, um, except for a few, but he was alone. But you ask, you know, after all that intense difficulties that he had endured, all those hardships, what kept him going? He still did not lose heart in, in that ministry that, that God had entrusted to him. Even at the end when he was in that, that Roman cell, he was still more concerned about the gospel going out and continuing to go out through all the churches, and he was not concerned about his dire circumstances at that point. You know, so you wonder what, what kept him going. Um, if you want to turn real quick to Acts 20, uh, if you can, Acts 20, and in verses 18 through 24, let me just read that because it kind of gives us an idea of, of, of Paul's heart as he was addressing the, the Ephesian elders. And that's Acts 20, uh, verses 18 through 24. It says, you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly uh, and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You know, so that's the, the mindset that Paul had. His, his, his primary mission was to continue to serve and be faithful to that ministry that God had entrusted to him. And no matter what he had gone through already, no matter what awaited him, he was ready to continue to do that. And, and I pray, of course, that we all be faithful to that ministry as well. And as he sat in that, in that Roman cell, right before he was going to be executed, in 2 Timothy 4, 6, 8, he shares his heart to his young son in the faith, Timothy, right before he was going to get executed, uh, just as he was looking back at his life, and he said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So let's go ahead and turn back uh, to our study, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and, and let me go ahead and read that first verse in 2 Corinthians 4, verse, uh, the verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. So Paul here, he mentions the phrase, we do not lose heart, mentions it in this verse 1. He again repeats it in verse 16. And not lose heart is translating, not, uh, not abandoning oneself to cowardly surrender. 
So not being discouraged to a point where you're ready just to give it up and turn in the towel. You know, to get to that point of discouragement, not lose heart. And here Paul is addressing the Corinthian church, okay? And, and he's telling them, he's trying to encourage them not to lose heart in the service and the ministry of Jesus Christ. But the, the, the setting here, of course, was that Paul was actually trying to encourage them in the ministry of the gospel of grace. And at that point that the Corinthians are attacking Paul, his integrity, they were attacking his motives, they were attacking his, his doctrine. Um, and so Paul, in a way, was defending his ministry. Um, and at the time, of course, the Corinthians were being plagued by the, the, the sin of sexual immorality, self-pleasure, self-satisfaction. And they couldn't understand the whole concept of the gospel of grace, why someone would have to suffer through all that, just uh, that this gospel that Paul preached, they couldn't understand that concept. And Paul, in a way, also is also defending the fact that the, the suffering he had gone through was not because he did something wrong. And the Corinthians are trying to accuse him of that. But in these verses, as we'll look at, Paul kind of gives us some absolute uh, and essential truths that motivated him to continue in that ministry to proclaim the gospel. And it should motivate us as well, you know, because we've all been entrusted with the same ministry, right? That gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I pray that, of course, that these truths will, will take deep root and, and it will encourage us to continue to proclaim the gospel without losing heart. So verse 1, once again, says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. So therefore, since we have this ministry, what ministry is he talking about? The gospel, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's this new ministry, the new covenant, the everlasting ministry of salvation, that ministry of grace, the ministry of Jesus Christ, right? And it's that same ministry that we as believers, of course, are privileged to have because of the work at the cross. You know, it's that ministry of the new covenant. It's that we're able to enjoy this a new covenant relationship with with our lord and it's all because of his grace that this new covenant gives us that forgiveness that salvation through faith all by grace alone through faith and, and we as believers now of course could behold god with that unveiled face we have that direct uh access to him being transformed right by the holy spirit from glory to glory ultimately to be closer to his image that's the new, this new ministry he's talking about. And that same ministry of the gospel, really, God has entrusted to every one of us. You know, and, 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 and as Christians, it's not only a privilege to have experienced that ministry when we got saved, but it's also a responsibility that we have as Christians to continue to tell others about this gospel, right? It's a ministry that we've been entrusted to tell others about who Jesus Christ is and what he has to offer. So the first thing is we do not lose heart because point number one is, is we have experienced the mercy of God. Okay, and, and Paul, he knew the ministry uh, that was entrusted to him by God was all by God's mercy. And if you want to turn there to uh, skip over to 1 Timothy 1, 1 Timothy uh, 1, in verses 12 through 17, it kind of goes over Paul's heart as far as how he felt about the ministry that Jesus 
had get, that, he, that he was entrusted with. In 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 17, it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. So here Paul considered himself to be the chief sinner of all sinners. And he knew that this, this ministry that was entrusted to him was all by the, given by the mercy and grace of God. And he knew that he had been touched by the power of God's mercy on his life. And he knew that if God saved him, he could save anyone right? Uh, he was the chief of all sinners, and he realized and actually uh, invited the idea that God will use his life as a prime example of what God's grace and mercy could do, um, and he was ready to proclaim it to the world. So that doesn't that apply to all of us, right? I mean, we were all sinners saved by grace, right? And, and, and he, he, he loved us uh, when we were yet sinners. He sent his son to die on the cross for us, uh, that we wouldn't be subject to God's wrath anymore. And it's all because of his mercy that, of course, he delivered us out of, out of darkness, out of the, 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 the slavery to the, the power of sin. And it was by his mercy and grace that we we're forgiven and we re- were able to receive that free gift of salvation. Okay, And it's all by his mercy. And it's not until we taste the, the mercy and grace of God Will, be, will we be able to live out the gospel and proclaim it to others? And we've all experienced that, and we need to not lose heart because of that. We've experienced the mercy of God as we have been saved, and we continue to be sanctified. So the ministry we have in Jesus Christ is a free gift, right? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a mercy gift. It's, it's a gift that that we didn't deserve, right? So any ministry that he gives us, it's because it's by his mercy. So whatever, if you're serving here in ministry, if your ministry's at, you know, at home or out in the, in the workplace, out in the community, maybe you're in the mission field, the prison ministry, it's all, that, that's been given to you by God, by his mercy. He's made it possible. And we, we want, we would not want to lose heart because of that. Um, so because of this mercy that's been given to us, we should not lose heart. So in verse 2, it says, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So point number two is that we do not lose heart because we hold on to God's truth and his promises and we live by that truth. Okay, and, and we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Renounce means to turn away, to repent of. What, what, what have we renounced? 
What are the, the hidden things of shame? The sins, right? We were once there, right? We were walking in darkness. We were, we were sons of disobedience. We were slaves of unrighteousness. And we had those sins that we had to repent of. And we, you know, the Paul here also acknowledges the fact that he preached the gospel in truth without compromise. He didn't add to it, right? He, he, he taught it, preached it straight up, and he, it was a simple message of grace. And he knew that he had proclaimed the gospel of grace with boldness and with all sincerity. Okay, so there was no deceitfulness behind that. And Paul knew that even though all that afflictions and, and trials that he went through, he still uh, uh, remained true to the gospel. He did not sway from it. And he was uh, not only preaching it, right? He was not only preaching the gospel, but he was living it. And, and his life really was consistent with the gospel. And that should be our, our case as well, right? Our life should be consistent with the gospel. And we all need to ask ourselves, you know, are we boldly proclaiming the gospel message and truth without compromise? You know, are we uh, living out the gospel message in the way we live? You know, are the elements of the gospel, which are, of course, grace, mercy, forgiveness, love, reconciliation, are they being reflected in our lives? You know, and, 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 and do people see the gospel, let's say, in our marriages? You know, the way we're treating our spouse, do they see the gospel in us and the way we treat our spouses? Or the way we're, we're treating our kids, the way we're raising our kids, do people see the gospel in us, in and through that? How about in our, in our workplaces? You know, do people see the gospel in the way we, we do our work, our work ethic? You know, are people drawn to us by seeing what we have in us? You know, and the other thing, too, of course, in church. You know, as new believers, immature believers maybe, or even non-believers, they walk in through those doors. Are, do they see the gospel in us, you know, as we share the love of Christ with them? You know, so these are different ways that certainly we could represent the gospel. And the last thing we want to do is pull them away from the gospel by our inconsistencies in the way we live. Um, and our lives, of course, should represent living epistles for all men to see our good works. Um, but we certainly could stumble others if we're not applying the gospel of grace in the way we live. And Paul proclaimed the gospel message in truth. He preached it straight up. And he didn't add anything to it. And unfortunately, that's the case in many churches today, right? User-friendly churches. What do, what do the preachers, uh, 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 pastors, what do they do? They're, they're, they're kind of twisting the truth. They're adding to the scriptures. They're leaving out certain truths, ultimately for personal gain or, or for the sake of not offending anyone. And that's, that's the, 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 the standard, unfortunately, in many churches today. There's a lot of compromise going on twisting of the scriptures, and, and they're crafty in that, uh, the way they're handling the word of God to deceive people. And we know who was the master of, of being crafty and twisting the scriptures, right? Back in Genesis. Who was that? Right, the serpent. And, 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 and you know, as we, we, live, we live our lives, we need to share God's word and truth, and we to serve him, we need to live a life that 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 is aligned to the word uh, uh, to the truth of God's word, 
and, and, and we can't allow compromise to come in, and, and we can't allow unconfessed sin in our lives, because what happens with unconfessed sin, it, it really serves as a weight, right, that would not allow us to uh, run this race with endurance, and it's going to make us go get, get weary, and, 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 and we're going to ultimately be disqualified from the ministry, and our sins ultimately will be found out, right? You know, so we can't allow those things to come in. And the other thing that we read here in this verse, it says, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of, of God. So point number three is that, you know, we, we uh, as, as far as, uh, you know, our accountability, we, we will be ultimately accountable to God. And, and, and that's our accountability ultimately, right? I mean, we have the, the, the law of God written in the tablets of our hearts, and we also have our conscience that approves us and disapproves us, and ultimately we are going to be accountable in the sight of God. And, and one, one day, of course, we're going to face the Lord, right, and, and, and have to give an account on how we serve the Lord. You know, so it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something we need to be mindful of. Um, in verses 3 and 4, it says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, who, whose, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, uh, should shine on them. And so the point number four um, is that we do not lose heart because our eyes have been unveiled, and you know we have we are that spiritual blindness was lifted right, and and we see the light of Christ working in and through our lives. We were touched by the light of Christ when we first got saved, right? And those who it says those who are perishing are the lost who Satan has blinded. And, and we have this awesome blessing, of course, that we have the Holy Spirit in us. We're able to have discernment to understand God's word and his gospel. But what happens to the lost who are in that spiritual blindness? I mean, it says that the, the God of this age has blinded their minds. What does that mean? I mean, saying what he does is he tries to keep those people who are lost, tries to keep any thoughts of God out of their minds. And he infiltrates their minds with anything that's wicked, sinful, demonic. So he tries to, again, do that. And, and in that way, you know, he keeps them in that spiritual uh, blindness. And they're unable to respond uh, and understand. Um, but it's also, of course, the condition of their hearts, too. Right? It's not just Satan that's doing it. Those people who are out there, they have hardened hearts. And they have refused to respond to the gospel uh, and they, because they like the darkness, they don't want to get rid of their sin. But we know there's hope for them, right? Just as long as there was hope for us, and he touched our hearts. Um, so in verse 5, it, it says, for, for, for we do not preach uh, ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord uh, and ourselves, your, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. So, we do not lose heart because our ministry is about Jesus and Jesus alone, not about ourselves. You know, so as we serve the Lord, as we're proclaiming his gospel, 
as as we preach or teach or as we minister, it's got to be about Jesus. It's got to be about totally about Jesus, drawing people to Jesus. And the last thing we want to be doing is is telling people or teaching people about ourselves, right? So if you have a teacher, a pastor that's teaching, and all he's doing is talking about himself, and he's, he's moving people away from Jesus, that takes away from the, 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 the gospel, right? I mean, the, the Jesus is taken out of the picture. And that's the case in many, many churches, unfortunately, that they're, they're, they're not preaching Jesus anymore. They're, they're, they're conforming to the ways of the world. They're allowing compromise to come in. They're teachings, and they're getting away from uh, Jesus. Um, verse 6 says, For it is uh, the God uh, who uh, commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown on, in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we do not lose heart, point number six, because God is the one responsible for saving people. It's not our responsibility, right? I mean, we're the messengers. We're carrying the, the, the message, but it's, it's God who is the one who shines his light to those who are in darkness. It is God who lifts that blindness um, in his timing, right? And, and just as he lifted our blindness. And we remember Paul along when he was in the, the Damascus Road, what happened to him? He saw the light, right? He saw Jesus, and, and he got blinded. He got the scales over him. It blinded him temporarily, but he, he was broken. You know, he saw the glory of God, and, and it took that to, to bring him down. And when we got saved, remember, remember when you guys got saved? Some of you have been saved for many years, right? Some of you maybe just got saved. But somebody shared the gospel with you guys, right? And, and that faithful brother or sister shared the gospel uh, in a way that got our attention. But ultimately, God was the one that drew us to him by his Holy Spirit. And he shined his light upon us at that time. And, and Paul here relates the power of God shedding his light at conversion. The same power of him shedding his light in creation, right? In Genesis what do you say? Let there be light. It's the same light. And, and God is, again, the one responsible for saving people. Our responsibility is sharing the gospel with those God puts in our path. That's our responsibility. And, and Paul knew that there was power behind the gospel. In Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So verse 7 and 8 uh, says, But we have this treasure in, in, uh, in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. So point number seven is that, you know, we do not lose heart because our sufficiency is in Christ, right? And Paul knew that his sufficiency was in Christ. And, and we're all just, what, jars of clay, clay pots, right? Broken vessels that God uses for his purposes, ultimately for his glory. 
And, and, and what makes the, the clay vessel valuable? The treasure that's in us. And what's that treasure? Jesus, right? It's the gospel. The gospel that, that's in us, that, that's the treasure that we're carrying. And in Acts, 9, 5, uh, Acts uh, chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, God said uh, uh, of Paul, Go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. So Paul was a chosen vessel, chosen by God for the ministry to the Gentiles. And what does it say that? He had to suffer for my namesake. So Paul had to suffer. He had to go through afflictions to serve the purpose that God had for him in that ministry. And Paul was faithful to hang in there and not lose heart. You know, and the important thing about a vessel is that it be clean, right? It be empty and available for service. That's all God wants from us, to be available, be clean, be emptied of ourselves. And in uh, 2 Timothy 2.21 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, uh, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And I think all of us could relate to that, right? When we came to the Lord, you know, we were broken vessels, right? And then we had to uh, be emptied of ourselves. We surrendered ourselves completely to the Lord, and we were washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We, we were start to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit at that time, but we continue to be sanctified uh, more to be useful, be prepared, and, and usable for God's purposes. We're just vessels, and he would use every one of us. We're all messed up, right? But God trusted us to be those vessels to carry his treasure. And that's a blessing. That's a privilege as Christians. And that's why, again, we should not lose heart in proclaiming that gospel. You know, that ministry that he has given us, given every one of us. It says, and we are earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So what would happen if there was a vessel, he would have used a nice-looking vessel, a vessel maybe that was a, a glass vessel or a, or a steel vessel, a nice painted vessel. What would happen to that vessel uh, as far as the glory? The vessel would take the glory, right? And that's where we're at, you know. We're just broken vessels uh, used by God, for God's glory and not for our own glory. Um, and as vessels, of course, we focus more on the treasure and not on the brokenness of our vessel, right? Because what happens over our lifetime? We will continue to be broken. And he will continue to uh, allow us to suffer affliction, suffer trials, suffer hardships, ultimately because he's refining us, he's strengthening us, and he's working to prepare us for what he has for us. Broken vessels used by God. In, in, in verses 8 through 11, uh, Paul lists uh, different uh, afflictions that he faced. And, of course, we could relate to some of those afflictions. This is Paul. He's sharing some, some bad, pretty bad afflictions that he had to go through. And he's not confessing these, these afflictions to, to get people's attention that, oh, uh, you know, feel sorry for Paul. Why do you think Paul was mentioning these afflictions? 
he knew that he wanted to acknowledge that God had carried him through every single affliction. Okay? And, and it wasn't to get attention, but it was to give God the glory. And, and, and in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He knew that he got the strength through Christ. He would not have been able to go through these afflictions without the strength of Christ. And it says, hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I mean, we could relate, certainly relate to some of those things. It's happened to our lives. It might be happening to us now. It might have happened in the past, but these kind of things will continue. But we need to realize that God is in control of all these things. And he's allowing these afflictions, hardships, trials to come our way again. To He's working. He's working a purpose in us. He's preparing us for what he has for us. And I think we all could uh, agree that after a trial, we are strengthened, right? Our faith is strengthened. And, and our dependency is in him is strengthened. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want us to be self-sufficient. He, want us to, he wants us to be all dependent on him and his power and his strength. So he is glorified through weak vessels. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, Paul is sharing here in 2 Corinthians uh, 12, verses 7 through 10, it says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul welcomed, embraced these sufferings. Because he knew there was a purpose behind that. You know, and, and as we face afflictions, as we face trials, hardships, opposition, we got to embrace those things because God, God is allowing that to happen. And we might not realize it in the beginning because we're so focused on, 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 on the issue, but we need to trust that God is in control of every aspect of it and there's always something good that comes out of it. And we need to trust in that. And Paul knew, and he welcomed his sufferings, again, because he knew these sufferings would strengthen him, and he would be more usable for the ministry. He knew his afflictions were necessary also to keep him humble. Right? It keeps us humble. When we suffer afflictions, he gave Paul that thorn in the flesh for a reason. And Paul realized that, Otherwise, he would have exalted himself instead of the Lord. So as we read about Paul's intense sufferings uh, that he went through, you know, one may have the tendency to feel sorry for him. <laughs> but did you think Paul felt sorry for himself? No. You know, and he, he, he knew that, again, the more intense the sufferings and the hardships, the more effective ministry he would have. 
So suffering, affliction, hardships as we serve him makes us more useful vessels for the master. So what happens when we triumph over these sufferings? What happens when we overcome these sufferings the way we should in his might? What happens? Who gets the glory? God does, right? God, God gets the glory. And as we suffer, of course, we're strengthened through it, but it's also for the sake of others. God, you know, others will see the power of God working in and through us through those trials. So others are drawn to God by the way we handle these afflictions. So it's a major witness we have during these difficult seasons, and we could be used powerfully by that, how we react. Verses 10 through 12, it says, Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Uh, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be uh, uh, manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. So in Christ, we not only share in his sufferings and death, but we also share in the glory of the resurrection to life, right? So what happened when we came to Christ? What happened to the old man? It died, right? It was crucified. And, 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 and with that, we were resurrected to a new life with him. And, and with that, though, we share in the fellowship of his sufferings by enduring suffering for Christ. And it's all for the, the, the sake of, of, of giving glory, uh, glory to God. Philippians 3, 10, 11 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verses 13 through 15 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise up with Jesus and will present us with you for all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many many uh, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God so we truly we do not lose heart because we truly believe in the truth of the gospel okay and it's our faith in the reality and the power of the gospel that keeps us from growing weary from losing heart and we continue to live out the gospel and proclaim it because why? Because we truly believe that Jesus not only died for our sins, but he resurrected that we may have eternal salvation. So we truly believe. And that's the whole reason why it keeps us going. So we truly believe it, then we should tell others about it, right? And what happened with Paul? Paul, in spite of so many afflictions, so many sufferings, so many trials that he had, he had gone through, what kept him going? He believed what he was preaching, and he had that eternity in mind. And verse 16 and eight, uh, through 18, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but, the, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So last point is we do not lose heart because we have an eternal hope, right? And Paul began this chapter with the phrase, 
we do not lose heart. And he concludes it with the same phrase, we do not lose heart. Therefore, so Paul just finished sharing sincerely these major afflictions that went on with him, right? And, and he ends by saying, but do not lose heart. <laughs> and that's the same mindset we need to have. Uh, it says, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So Paul knew that all the suffering would take a toll on that outer man. He suffered quite a bit. He was getting old, and he knew that thorn, thorn in the flesh was also affecting that outer man. He knew that with each affliction, that outer man was slowly perishing day by day. Okay? We see our bodies, right? As we're getting older, what's going on with our bodies? There's some physical changes, right, going on. I mean, you start feeling some new aches and pains, some joint stiffness maybe, some vision changes, maybe some muscle atrophy being replaced by fat maybe, <laughs> hair loss, maybe low energy. How about physical conditions? You might develop some high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes. These are things that do can come as we get older. Uh, how about our brain activity? We're not as sharp as we were before, maybe. Maybe we don't remember things as much. Um, this is part of the aging process. You know, and you young guys, you might not know what I'm talking about, but I know we older guys could relate, right? Uh, so, but again, this is a normal aging process of the outer physical body, and that's that unredeemed aspect of the flesh. And, and this outer man is slowly perishing, and with each affliction, that process will be accelerating, okay? But we can't lose heart because of that. Paul did not lose heart from it, right? He was beat up. I imagine you probably could imagine how Paul looked. I mean, he was probably all beat up. But did he care? No. And Paul was not depressed about it. He knew his inner man was being renewed day by day, and it's that redeemed inner man that was working a far greater eternal glory. In verse 17, it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So Paul says here, our light affliction. This is Paul. We just kind of went over what he's gone through, and he's, he's referring to his affliction as a light affliction. And not only that, what does he say? But just for a moment, it's going on. Where, in comparison, where does, that, where does that put our afflictions? You know, we, we, and I'm not belittling the afflictions we do go through, but it's all relative, right? And sometimes we get pretty uh, absorbed with the afflictions that we have to go through, and we kind of lose focus with what the Lord really has in store, and, 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 he, and we, we forget that there's a reason why he allowed that affliction to happen, so we, we forget or we just lose side of that and there's a purpose behind that but our tendency sometimes in the midst of an affliction we complain how long does this affliction need to continue why is this so going on so long why is this so heavy and so you get so overly absorbed with hardships and you lose focus on the lord uh and the purpose he had that in the first place and it says paul here says that this affliction a light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So you have a weight scale, and on one side, maybe all the afflictions that we've suffered in this life for Jesus is on one side of the scale, 
And on the other side of the weight scale, you have the eternal weight of glory on the, on, on the other side. What happens to the weight scale? What should happen? It's that eternal weight of glory would be the one tipping, right? It would far surpass the total sum of our afflictions. It's all relative, guys. And I, and I know we have some serious afflictions uh, that we have to go through, but it's no comparison to what awaits us in eternity. And to Paul, the afflictions that we endure are weightless, and they last for a moment as compared to the eternal weight of glory that endure, that, in, that awaits us into eternity in the presence of God. So in Romans 8, 17, it says, If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So God has something to accomplish through our sufferings, and, and there's affl- afflictions are given, okay? And we need to expect those. But there's going to be something that's going to be good that's going to come out of it. Uh, in Romans 8, 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's the hope that we have as Christians, right? That, that's the hope that should motivate us Christians in, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of opposition. And, and, and that's the thing that motivates us to continue to, to serve the Lord, proclaim his gospel, no matter what comes at us. And it gives us hope, and that's that hope in Christ that doesn't disappoint, the hope in eternal glory that motivates us. And that's what gave Paul that, that, that motivation to persevere and finish strong. In verse 18 it says, And while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So as we serve the Lord, we need to be eternally minded, right? Focusing on the eternal, placing our hope on the eternal and not on the temporal. Not looking, not focusing on our circumstances, on our afflictions, on our trials, but looking ahead, what lies ahead. And having eternity in our hearts, focusing on the eternal. In Colossians 3, 2, 4, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It's an eternal hope that we have as Christians. It's a privilege. It's an honor to have that. And I love the, the scripture in Ecclesiastes 3.11 uh, that kind of summarizes this whole uh, spiritual mindset that we need to have, that eternal mindset. And in, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time, also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Amen? So I hope this is an encouragement. And I, and I know, you know, it was an encouragement to me because of, you know, all the, you know, the stuff that, you know, that, that's come down, you know, in the last year. But God is faithful. You know, and 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 by His grace again, that He's carried us, and 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 we need to trust in the fact that He allows these things for His purposes, and we could never get too comfortable, right? And and He need we need to be ready to be used, and He might move us for His reasons, for His purposes, and we need to be ready. Um, so some of you guys might be going through some major afflictions. Some major trials, um, major hardships, 
and you might feel discouraged. You might be in pain. You might be in chronic pain. You might have some ailments that are bringing you down, and you feel that you're losing heart in, in serving the Lord. It's, it's just taking a toll. But again, I pray that these truths will encourage you that God is working even in through those afflictions.